This show is brought to you by Nice Mug. Nice Mug is the only mug made entirely out of ice. For more information, go to nicemug.com and enter the coupon code SAUNA for 10% off your entire purchase. Hey there, welcome to another episode of Sauna Talk, and uh, we are joined on the bench with a very special guest, um, Omar Ansari, founder and owner of Surly Brewing Company. For those not in Minnesota, Surly Brewing, as of 2018, is reported to be the third largest brewery in Minnesota, producing 93,000 barrels per year. Uh, Surly Brewing made the list of top 50 brewers in the United States last year, and I'm sure they'll be knocking their way down on that list um, based on their success. Uh, the Surly Beer Hall and Garden is located between downtown Minneapolis and St. Paul. Um, it's, well, it's a very large facility that packs them in and has quickly become a destination point for locals and vid- visitors to the Twin Cities. For those of us in Minnesota, Surly needs no introduction. For example, anyone attending the recent Neil Young concerts at the Orpheum Theater in Minneapolis, uh, looking around before the lights went down, we could easily identify and lose count of the number of fans sipping from that iconic red and black Surly Furious 16-ounce can. Surly has become part of the fabric of Minnesota. But little known about Surly is its founder, um, Omar's love and support of the authentic sauna experience. Omar has been a huge supporter of the 612 Sauna Society. The connection and credit goes to Margie Weaver, who at the time was Omar's yoga instructor, and Margie arranged for Omar to meet up with 612 Sauna Society founder JP, and once Omar felt the heat, the intention, and the idea of the 612 Sauna Society, he extended himself graciously to help expand authentic sauna in the twin cities of Minneapolis-St. Paul. 612 Sauna Society has had residencies within the Surly Brewing Courtyard. This gesture at the time was uncharted grounds. Today, the idea of meeting friends on the sauna bench, partaking in a few sauna rounds, then a libation and a bite to eat at Surly Brewing may seem like a logical and natural thing to do, as this is done in Scandinavia and Northern Europe all the time. Yet despite Minnesota's long heritage of Finlanders and Northern Europeans well familiar to sauna, as well as cabin sauna culture that dates back generations along the shoreline of many of Minnesota's 10,000 lakes. The urban sauna concept in the public domain was very abstract and foreign in Minneapolis-St. Paul as recently as just a couple of years ago. And this is when Omar joined forces and embraced the 612 Sauna Society and sauna in a public domain. In this episode of Sauna Talk, you'll hear about the origins of Surly Brewing, Omar jumping on the pent-up demand of craft beer in the upper Midwest, how Omar Surlyman was able to plow through the challenging task of getting an archaic and restrictive law changed to allow craft brewers to sell beer and food on site, forever now known as the Surly Bill. Omar Ansari put craft beer in cans when it was all 12-ounce glass. Omar Ansari embraced authentic sauna in the public domain. 
Omar Ansari is like us. He enjoys the heat up and the cool down. This evening we are joined on the sauna bench uh, with Omar and a couple of Surly employees and their spouses who were graciously quiet while I conducted this interview. Yet uh, we pass the microphone and you will be introduced to them as well. Omar Ansari is not unlike European business owners who work hard, no doubt, but who also have a beer with their staff and hang out socially on the sauna bench, between sauna rounds, presenting themselves as just another person. Sauna is the great equalizer, and Omar Ansari displays this and shares this in his own backyard sauna on this cold Minnesota winter's night. The Friday happy hour sauna is alive and well. And tonight we are joined on the sauna bench with a Minnesota craft beer legend, founder and owner of Surly Brewing, Omar Ansari. So hey everybody, welcome to Sauna Talk. And uh, it's Minneapolis, Minnesota, and we're in uh, a first tier suburb, Golden Valley. And uh, I'd like to introduce someone, and um, you may not know him by name, but I guarantee you'll know uh, some of the product he makes. <laughs> so uh, welcome to Sauna Talk. Thanks. Glad to, glad to be here in the sauna, sweating away. <laughs> yeah. So this is Omar. Omar is the founder of Surly Brewing, and uh, Omar is a fan of sauna, and a, he has a kick-ass sauna in his backyard. This we have what about what ten people here maybe? Oh, that sounds that sounds about right. Yeah, and there's plenty of room. We're in the yeah. changing area, and there's room for more folks. And yeah, you know, there's room for people outside. You can yeah. jam a lot of people in here. That's it. <laughs> and uh, you were saying, Omar, you're out here in the sauna about how many times a week? A couple average? times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's at our our house right now, and uh, the kind of whole idea was here in the winter to help uh, get through the winter and. Uh, um, trying to get it up north to uh, our cabin uh, in the summertime. So obviously right it's a little bit less then because unfortunately we're not there every day of the week <laughs> or sure, every few days. Sure. But and, uh, yeah, a couple. Of, try and get out here a couple days a week. And wife and how many children do you have? I have four boys. And how many of the four boys like sauna? One. One. <laughs> yeah. What about the other three? Do They're they... just not the eldest, Max. He, he'll come and hang out a little bit and sweat away and then... It's funny because one kid, uh, Spencer, he's a little skinny guy, and he hates the cold. Like He hates it. And we thought, man, he is going to dig this. And the first time he came in here, he's like, it's so hot. Yeah. I don't like it. He's, well, he like well, he just he hasn't been back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When when there's his, consti- like his constitution is not the strongest. Yeah, yeah. you got to have a little meat on the bones. To, that to, that <laughs> must be it. That must be it. So let's talk a little bit about. Are you Surly. saying something about me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, let's see. With a little extra weight, there's a little more, you know, in, insulation. We'll say. So I want to get into the meat of uh, your history, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. If we could wind the clock back. You're a native of the Twin Cities? Yeah, right here. Yeah, uh, grew up in, um, in, grew up, I was, my folks uh, lived uh, in uh, Uptown when I was a little kid, so they lived two blocks away from the CC Club. Right on. You're you're uh, a city guy. That's where I, that's where I was born, and then I grew up in Golden Valley, so kind of always been in the suburbs, but close to the city here and went to college. In the cities, and then, um, yeah. And how old were you when you had your first beer? <laughs> well, who can who can ever remember that? <laughs> um, you know, it's usually sips. Uh, you know, it's kind of lawnmower beer stuff. I'm pretty sure it was a special X, but right. um, you know, my first real one was uh, in Germany. My mom's German, so we went there when I was 
one of the times we went there where I was 14, we went to the Hofbräuhaus House mm -hmm. and I got mm -hmm. a beer and that was pretty mm -hmm. cool. And then kind of, you know, a little disorienting at 14 to chug right. a big German beer. <laughs> sure, sure. But that's the way it is in Germany compared to America. I mean, well, yeah, you, like drinking is, I mean, it was that same time when I was there when I was 14. I remember we were hanging out with my cousin at a party, not a party, just like friends getting together and everyone was drinking beer and I'm like, uh, what's everyone doing? And it's just, yeah, it's not as big of a deal. So there's a, you know, people learn to drink beer or, or alcohol as part of a normal everyday uh, occurrence. It's not such a big deal, but you get a lot of alcoholics too. <laughs> you can't pretend like they're everywhere. Oh, everyone's great. Like, right, you know, they right. got plenty of drunks too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody says the Germans are great drivers, you know. Cause but it helps when you have a Porsche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you get back to the United States, you're in your teens. When did the idea of brewing beer starting oh. a brewery when would you say oh, that came yeah about? that was way later so i um i mean i really didn't start drinking beer until college and um then uh, i had a girlfriend uh who uh, actually got me a homebrew kit and i remember when i got it i'm like oh great just i said well, it looks like I, work huh? i said that's what i need another hobby <laughs> yeah. and um because honestly all the homebrew i had at that point was pretty crappy so i was not I was not excited to like, oh yay, um, but um, she persevered. She's from Wisconsin, so you know, right want to drink beer. So yeah. that was uh, '94. So I got my mm -hmm. first homebrew kit from Northern Brewer, and uh, it was 10 years later. I got the idea of uh, opening a brewery. I was home brewing, and idea kind of mm -hmm. popped in my head. And at that point, the only brewery in the Twin Cities was Summit. So. Yep. A little bit of a different world than it is right now. Yes, I remember. <laughs> yeah, I, re I moved to Minnesota in 1988, and I remember the Summit Pale Ale. Yep. <clears throat> I had a great buddy. Legendary beer. Legendary, absolutely. I had a buddy who uh, was driving cross-country. He and his girlfriend were living in Seattle, and we did a taste test of Red Hook and Summit, mm -hmm. blind taste test, and we all picked Summit. Yeah. And he, he would bring Summit out to him to Seattle, sort of cobbler's kid shoes. Oh, bringing beers out right. west, you know? Yeah, it's, a, it's no doubt. It's a, I mean, I'd said many a time over one of those beers, it's as good of a beer you'll find in the world. So, yeah. You know. Isn't it interesting? Well, I, I shouldn't even bring this up as a brewer like yourself, but I'll just say, personally, I'll have a Summit now, and it tastes like a Budweiser compared to a Surly You know, Curious, I think so. it's, well, it's two things, right? Like, maybe the beer's changed, but, you know, you probably, we all change as drinkers, too. Yeah. You know, right. like, it's just kind of the nature of what you get used to and what's yeah. a stand, you know. Furious used to, you know, people used to spit it out. Yeah. You know, yeah. and now it's like, oh, yeah, it tastes, you know, it's kind of bitter and well, hoppy, but you, not you crazy. Right. You started, so. I remember it was in the 90s and stuff, you would go down to like Burnsville and some, you know, standard, you know, middle of the road bars and you could maybe find uh, pale ale on tap. Yeah. I mean, that was, that what was you'd a big hope, deal. That's what you'd hope to find. That's it. Yeah. And then you maybe came too around. Hearted, you know. You, and you're thinking, let's, let's start a brewery. Did you travel to the Northwest and see what was going on? Yeah, there? you know, I uh, I skied a bunch um, and played a lot of ultimate frisbee, and so I'd go out to Colorado, go out to um, Portland. Yeah. Um, you know, in you know, since I was skiing like Wyoming and all those areas, and there was always so much beer, and it just always seemed odd. I'm like, why is there not more beer in Minnesota? Like. There's two million people that live here, and you know you got a Montana, and there's ten goddamn breweries, and there's yeah a million people in the whole state. So it's always seemed kind of odd. Yeah, you know. But. And then um, that was a was that a push for you to commit? Like 
because it had to be a financial commitment in a big way, your first foray into commercial brewing. Well, yeah, I mean, I think just that idea was that, um, you know, the whole idea, you know, thought process was there weren't any breweries here, so that was kind of the right. The whole idea is like that's the that's the reason we can make it go is because there's you know there's only one mm-hmm. other brewery here, and uh, we said well, one brewery can only brew. Yeah. So many beers, you know, that's why you can have, you know, at that point, you know, 10 breweries in Portland or 10 breweries in Seattle or 20 breweries in Denver, you know. So you recognize an opportunity yeah, here, just here in the like, cities. And... seemed like, like I said, with two and a half million people and all the restaurants yeah. and food and there'd have to be room for, as I like to say, there had to be room for one more brewery. And right. It would seem there's room for about a hundred breweries. <laughs> right on, right on. So, so, so it is now. So a good buddy of mine, Dan Lieberman, he's on the, the sur- you know Dan? Oh, yeah, right on. know Dan. He would bring me up to the Brooklyn Center place. Yeah. Uh, be up there, was up there many a times for, uh, you know, the, the ultimate sure. gatherings and stuff. Yep. And uh, what's going on in Brooklyn Center at the original? Is that still in operation yeah. as a storage area and stuff? Yeah, the way to say it is um, the ma- majority of our beer comes from Brooklyn Center. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, from, from Minneapolis. That's where Furious and Extra Citra and Hell and our variety pack beers come from. But the mass variety of beers come from, from Brooklyn Center. So if you go to the beer hall, yeah. let's see, yesterday there were 38 beers on draft. Wow. And 35 of them come from the yeah. Brooklyn Center Brewery. So they're just a smaller brewery so we can brew smaller batch beers and yeah. kind of do different stuff and do you know, if we're going to brew a giant stout, it's not going to, you know, mm-hmm. even 100 barrels of it is a lot. And those are 600 yeah. barrel fermenters at Minneapolis. So it's just kind of easy to right. do more different, do, do more smaller, different things over there at Brooklyn Center. So it's still going and we're doing tours again there and that's open wonder, it up wonderful. again. And that's the original. Yep. Yeah, that's where it started. And, 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 and you plan on hanging on to that space. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, we just uh, redid the floors and got a new kegging line in there. So Sweet. we kind of put a lot of, um, mm-hmm. make sure the building is... It's uh, we ran it hard for ten years, yeah, sure. and it needed a lot of uh, it needed some uh, mm-hmm. TLC to you know keep everything running because those uh, you know brewing uh, brewing takes a lot of equipment, and all that nope. heat and refrigeration. No so. question. Let's uh, and we're gonna talk a little more sauna, but sure. I, I wanted the audience to understand, get a context of who we're standing with between sauna rounds. I got JP to my left. You heard JP on sauna talk just recently, and. Uh, um, Omar's been such a great supporter of sauna in the Twin Cities, and um, I, wa- I want to stay with the chronology, though, real quick, o- Omar, with Brooklyn Center. Yeah. And then a big thing happened. There was this yeah. move toward a bigger facility. Sure. Can, can you tell us a little bit well, about that? Well, let's go back. So the idea for the brewery came around in 2004, so we sold our first keg out of Brooklyn Center in 2006. And uh, then a few years later, it seemed like we would outgrow that facility eventually. And that was around 2010, and uh, um, the idea came about uh, Jim Mott, who is our fourth employee, kind of kind of traveled and saw this brewery in in um, Austria, the Stiegel Brewery. Yeah, yeah. And, Were you uh, there as a as a family trip, or did no, you go as a mission? No, like, oh, you played at frisbee, me and Jim <laughs> at the World Championships. Did you have in your mind when you were in Europe playing Ultimate that you were going to check out different facilities with the idea of no, a brewery? No, just, we were just hanging out. Okay. You know, there wasn't enough time for that. Sure. So he stayed a little bit later and traveled. So we, uh, so he checked this place out. It was this pretty cool, huge space. And uh, um, 
he came back with a brochure and we talked about an idea of building something new and cool and big. Um, the only problem was it wasn't legal, so yeah. uh, we had to start by changing the law. So we got right. the law changed so you could sell a glass of beer at the brewery. Because it's Can hard you... to build something big if you can't find yeah. a way to pay for it. <laughs> so for those listening that aren't from Minnesota, or especially the Twin Cities, you may not know about the Surly Bill, but those that or, are from or here... Or young. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, that was a monumental work, what you did. I mean, whether you were into brewing or you knew about breweries, what we had in Minnesota was was something unique compared to what one california way to put it. yeah california <laughs> washington yeah. many other states um can you tell us a little bit about the rule that was in place at the sure. time and the work you did yeah um you know it's a state's rights thing which is great and all um but you know when you've got you know those types of laws determined by the states you've got 50 ways to do the same thing and minnesota is um you know was probably one of the more conservative states when it came to its beer laws i mm-hmm. um, always say uh I don't know if this is the right crowd, but, you know, not enough Germans, too many Swedes and Norwegians. <laughs> and Finns, too, I suppose. Well, the I Germans had the rules. Right. right. The but Swedes I, you know, were conservative, right? Yep. Yeah, but, so, like, in Wisconsin, all those Germans, you know, the beer laws yeah. were super liberal. They always have been. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's why kind of the beer culture has never gone away in Wisconsin. Like, the craft beer revolution never happened there because well, there was always a beer scene in Wisconsin, well, you could, know, so. Let's, let's, uh, let's look at it like this. Imagine the University of Minnesota versus University of Wisconsin. You've probably been to the campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, oh. in the, right. The <laughs> Hofstra Yeah, they're not yeah. the same. It's well representative, though, as you say, that, about the Scandinavians I, in Minnesota. You know, University of Minnesota, call it a dry campus. You could call it a dry It is a dry campus, yeah. And on Madison, with... Oh. Yeah. It's not a dry campus. Right. <laughs> it's not a dry campus. Yeah. And, so. yeah, yeah, JP went there. So, so JP, what about the student union? Can you ah. describe for listeners what the student union is like? Oh, it's a it's a great place. It's a be- it's beautiful and uh, it's a great place to enjoy a beer on the on the shores of the lake. What what lake is that there? Lake, is it Mendota? Lake, lake, lake Mendota. Mendota. Yeah. yeah. But that's representative of the of the diff- the law, the difference of the law at the time. Uh, Wisconsin very accepting of beer in all kinds of places. Minnesota very conservative. Yeah. So uh, back to the, the the heart of the matter is, breweries could not sell you a glass of beer. So. It was actually, when we started, we had nothing to do with it. Around 2006, uh, the law got passed that breweries could sell growlers. And everyone in the beer scene knows what that is. So that wasn't even legal up to that point. But we couldn't sell someone a glass of beer. So if they came on a tour, they got a free beer, which was great. The tours were a party every week. Um, But to build this new brewery and this idea of this beer hall and this sort of food experience that existed in other part of the country, we knew we'd have to get the law changed. So that was kind of the whole concept to to, um basically that fall in 2010 came up with the idea of here's how we're going to do it and uh got some lobbyists they're not all bad Mm -hmm. and uh they helped us get the law changed and uh and you have um, political support i mean the mayors and all that did they come around mm, or did they take some take some work not really it's a it's you know it's like making sausage man it's a crazy weird process and there's so many things at play and um you know, I had a buddy who was a, sold us some stuff who was a big Republican guy. And he's like, oh, the Republicans must have helped you out, man. And they're all, you know, for this. And I'm like, not really. Like, uh-huh. it's just, it's almost not a, it's kind of who's in power and who's not. And it was a really a strange, just strange how it all worked out. But cool. it looked like it was, it literally it was, didn't have much chance to pass. And then people, um, 
when everyone started calling their legislators and emailing and, and writing letters, that's that is what made the difference. A so real they grassroots. Do, absolutely, they do listen. Um, they absolutely listen to when their constituents um, mm -hmm. say stuff. It's just that um, they, you know, a lot of times people don't call. You know, this was this is a business issue, so it's even less. You know, this is not a hot button item. So yeah, it just worked out that year. Um, uh, the Republicans took the House and the Senate, I think for the first time in like 100 years in Minnesota. And I remember seeing in the paper that day after the election that uh, uh, the Republican senator, or the party leader, said, oh, you know, we, we heard you, we've got a mandate to create jobs. And that's mm -hmm. when I was like, right. it's a jobs bill. And that was sort of my message is like, hey, I can do this in Hudson today and spend $25 million and employ 300 people, but I'm a Vikings fan, not a Packers fan, so I'd rather do it in Minnesota where I'm from. And that... Mm -hmm. you know, it always seems that it's easy when, you know, when you say they do it right over there, 40 minutes from here and not here, you know, because the opposition always is sort of the sky is falling. And as a legislator, you know, they don't know. I mean, there's so many nuanced things that they're supposed to, well, not supposed to, that they make decisions on and, you know, they don't know, you know, they don't know. And so when you can say, hey, look, this like the sky won't fall. They do it right over there, mm -hmm. and I can go spend the money over there mm -hmm. and create the jobs. And is that what people want? And and that's sort of really at the end how it all got right passed. So it, right. um, Governor Dayton signed it in May of oh or May of eleven, and uh, took us three and a half years, and we opened a new place in December of fourteen. Yeah, and it's quite a place. Um, do you, when you hear Surlyville, does that <laughs> ring as a compliment, or do you think? No, that's all good. I, yeah, I remember. That. I think they called it that in like the Minneapolis-St. Paul or something like that. I'm like, that's yeah. a great name for that. Good for you. I'm glad. I'm glad you like <laughs> but, it. But uh, yeah, it's changed a lot. If you go yeah. there now, there is filled with. There are a lot of cranes, man. There's going to be like two thousand units of housing that's going in there. It's yeah. a very different neighborhood. We went in there. It was. I remember my my parents came back after I told them that I was going to go for that spot. My dad's like, um, I don't think that's a very good idea. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I, I think it is. And, okay, so... And then years later, he's like, you were right. <laughs> let's dive into that a little bit. So why was that a good idea for you when you saw that spot? What, well, what rang for you? Well, it was that? eight and a half acres, and that's one of the biggest issues with building a big brewery is, like, it takes a lot of space. Yeah. And also, we wanted to have a lot of outdoor space to do things. And there just weren't a lot of parcels that big, especially in the city. And we wanted it to be in the city where it was urban. You know, mm -hmm. like I said, I grew up in the city. and. Yeah or cities, and, um, but wanted to be part of, of that scene, and by transit, and by the bike line, and, um, you know, we knew we'd have a lot of people working, um, um, on the restaurant side that didn't take the bus, like, yeah. we just wanted to make it so it's easy to get to, and, and we knew the light rail was coming, yep. the green line hadn't been built yet, but we knew it was coming, so... It's kind of part of that whole urban, you know, urban scene that you know, is kind of seemingly kind of grown up with biking and yeah. beers and everything the last 10 years. A very accessible location through bike trail, yeah. uh, light rail, yeah. very urban. Yeah, which yeah it's very urban. Industrial. Yeah, it's pretty industrial. Yeah. But, but um, you know, the other interesting thing was it was a brownfield site, so it was contaminated. Mm. And that's kind of why no one wanted it. Mm. And, you know, when you went over there, like, there were, there's issue with... Homeless folks in the area, and you know, like it, it was not the. It was a pretty rough spot, but that's kind of where yeah. the opportunity lied. That no one else wanted it because it it wasn't a real, um, um, I guess, appetizing spot for a lot of other businesses, and that's why it worked for us. You know, you don't see breweries usually going into high buck 
rent areas because it's not a high rent. Sure. It's manufacturing. Right. And um, you but it creates a great vibe. Oh yeah. Well, I think that's I don't know. That's you know, if you've been to Brooklyn Center, it's an industrial park. That's always kind of been part of our DNA. So yeah. it's kind of fit in with who we yeah. are. I think. How many employees? It's early brewing now. You know, 350, we'll have 400 probably in the summer when, when the patio's rocking. Yeah. So there'll be some, yeah, it, it's, there's a lot. It's a lot. What's that yeah. like for you as an owner and responsible and for all of these uh, moving parts in these 350, 400 employees? What, what's life like with that? Um, what's well, why I got a sauna? It helps melt the stress away. No, yeah. it's all, you know, it's, it, none of this stuff has ever happened. You know, it's, it's always kind of a slow burn to get to where you're at. And, yeah. um, you know, the good thing is the team of people we've got now, um, they're, they're great. And I think, yeah, well, you have got a lot yeah. of people do that are really good at managing it, other people and, and, mm-hmm. and, and helping with the direction. Cause it's just gotten so big. Like, yeah, I right can't, now. I can't do well, it all anymore. You right. see, it's easy when there's 20 people, but mm-hmm. you know, when there's 350, it's kind of a whole different animal. So. And if this sauna is any representation of the employees at Surly Brewing, you got a great posse. I mean, we're having a great time. Who, who do we have here? I'm Riley. And Riley, what do you do at Surly Brewing? I am the QAQC manager, so I do quality control for the brewery. Right. Quality and, assurance. And how would you assess the quality of the sauna? <laughs> the quality of the sauna, high, it's high quality. Yeah. Of great quality. And how, yeah. many rounds, how many rounds, Riley, have you had? How many uh, I think three so far. Three so far? Yeah. How do you feel about the heat? Is it the heat? Is it a good heat? It's a good heat. Good, steady heat. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Omar brought the uh, the quality control director to the sauna yeah. tonight, <laughs> just to make sure that we're having a a, a good sauna. Everyone's, so yeah, we're making sure everything's right. working right. Yeah. yeah, right on. And we were talking about Neil Young a little while ago. Neil Young just ended a four night stint at four different theaters here in Minneapolis. And yeah, yeah. And I was at the Orpheum, uh, and um, I was thinking about this sauna coming up because I knew you know, JP had organized this, and I was coming over to see you and. And there I was and, uh, at the Orpheum, and I look at this couple in front of me, and they each have a Surly Furious. <laughs> and I look down the other way, and I see Surly Furious, Surly Furious, Surly Furious. What's it like for you to go out? If you were at Neil Young at the Orpheum that night, seeing all this Surly Furious, no one was well, drinking anything else. From it's awesome. I, I mean, I can't, you know, you can't say it's anything but that. I mean, it, it was nothing we never thought. You know, every, everything that's happened has been way bigger than any ideas any wildest dreams that thought we could, you know, thought could happen. So, um, it never gets old seeing people drink your beer or, you know, I remember we got that tap handle at First Avenue. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, like you're drinking beer at First, like my beer at First Avenue. Like yeah. that's as good as it gets, right? Because, yeah, you know, yeah. I think we've all drank a lot of beer over there. <laughs> uh-huh. of bar, so. Does it get old? Not that part, you know, I mean, parts mm-hmm. of it do, but. Have you ever walked up to somebody and drinking your beer and, and introduce yourself and say that's a beer that i make um like if i'm out doing an event i'll every now and then i'll buy someone a beer you know if, yeah. they're, if, they're, if they order one they you know i don't say yeah you know, and then does i don't walk up and like hey that's no my beer but like i'll buy them a beer and be like hey thanks for drinking the beer and, you know and at that point do they want to be your friend kind of depends why they think i'm buying them a beer <laughs> sometimes they sometimes they look at you like uh <laughs> I'm good, dude. I'm like, no, no, I own the brewery. Just thanks for drinking the beer, man. They're like, all right, give me a sip. I made that. Beer. Yeah, I think we're gonna have to. 
either suspend this. My feet right. are cold. I, my feet are cold. <laughs> cold out here. Yeah, yeah. We I need to go sweat. We need sauna shoes. We, How about we bring it in here? Do you mind? Yeah, you know what we need? Yeah, we need shoot. Some some in-floor heat. Yes, I mean, right who designed this thing? Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, that's actually a that's actually a Finnish company. They're called Upanor. Oh, and they make the radiant heat. Upanor, I've heard yeah. of that company. They, yeah. Their, their North America headquarters are in Apple Valley. Okay. Yeah. And um, so it's just kind of a kind of neat thing. Ooh. So, Omar, I'm going to ask you a few sauna questions. All right, I now really, that we're in hey, the hot yeah. box. And we'll thank call you. this part of the sauna anyway. The hot room. The hot room, all yeah. right. Yeah, in the hot box. Yeah. Hot box. So you were very gracious about talking about the beer. I mean, I didn't want to bore you with oh, that. Yeah. Are my well, questions that's the easy, fair? easy part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was easy. pretty engaging. But so let's let's take... Take a day, a day in Minneapolis where Whoa. you know you're going to be having a sauna that night. Ah. You wake up in the morning and sure. you just kind of know it's a sauna night. So I ask all my guests on Sauna Talk this question is, what is your favorite moment from when you wake up, you're going to work, you hmm. come home, you fire up the sauna and you got a good two, three sauna rounds, maybe with your wife or your one son who digs it, and then you finish the sauna process and, you know, maybe go back inside and... You know, finish up. What one moment through a sauna session is your favorite and why? I, I think probably the point in which I come out um, and I check on the fire and it's and it's going. Because <laughs> uh, I seem to have figured it out, but it seemed like last year when I first would get it going, uh, half the time it would fail on me. And uh, that would always be a bit of a disappointment. So, you know, kind of once it's going, you know, uh, you know, you've got the pieces ready to, you know, you got another hour's worth of time uh, to kind of chill out and, Get ready to get everyone out there. I just think kind of the, you know, it's it's definitely the the group aspect of it, right? Yeah. It's kind of like when Becca and my wife and and son get out here and we just kind of hang out. I think it's it, that's probably the highlight. That's kind of what you do it. Yeah. So right, like the beginning of your first sauna round. Would you? Yeah. Say? Yeah. Probably. It's got kind of everyone's on yeah. in and we yeah. get it going. So that's kind of part of the Love it. part of the fun part for sure. So. That's always good because you know, and that's before everyone gets too hot. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So that would be your favorite—the yeah. beginning of round one. Yeah, I think so. It's because yeah, it. it's kind of everyone's everyone's in the same spot in the same yeah. frame of mind, so that's a good place to be. And and another question on that is, uh, you're a, a proud owner of a mobile sauna, and a, a question I ask is, if you could have a mobile sauna and bring it anywhere, anywhere in the world, and take a sauna, where would you like to go? Where in the world? Well, I mean, that's, I mean, it doesn't have wings, but, you know, if it was going to be somewhere around here, I mean, probably be like Lake Superior, right? That seems yeah. like the spot, the quintessential place, and that lake's sure cold, so you can do it <laughs> even right. summertime's going to work. Right. I mean, in the world, I guess, you probably have to take it to some fjord or something, but nice. you know, I haven't spent a lot of time in Scandinavia, so maybe we'll put it on a Viking cruise ship, <laughs> bring it right on over there, and float it on over to a... <laughs> Some spot. Sweet. Seems like that's the spot to where it all started, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, take it back <laughs> to the roots. Right. Yeah. Um, sauna for for those that aren't familiar with sauna, like like how far back do you go with sauna yourself? Well, not your, very your far numbers? at all. Yeah. Mm -mm. What what got you interested in sauna? Well, it was actually um, how did it start? It was Margie. I was a gal I did yoga with for years, probably five years, I think. Yep. Margie uh, we Weaver, would, yep, Margie a Weaver, regular we, listener yep. to Sound of Talk. Yeah, we do yoga probably twice a week. Um, kind of the first thing I did that helped get my back straightened out. Yeah. I had a bad back. And uh, she would be telling me how she was working with these guys and going over and having a sauna. And um, 
you know, she invited me and the family over a few times, and uh, I don't know, eventually took her up on on one of those offers. I don't know if I, I don't know if it was the whole family, but yeah, we went over to uh, JP's backyard and hit the sauna. And you know, I remember he'd ask me a bunch of questions. He's like, "Have you ever been invited to sauna?" And I'm like, I don't know. I've been in a sauna, like, like at a health club. Is that what you mean? Like, I don't really know what you mean. Yeah. And uh, and you know, it's right by, um, right off Minnehaha Creek. So you know, we'd go, we'd go get in the creek and float around for a bit in between. It was just yeah. awesome. And yeah, I, I think literally we, we did it. And I was like, "Oh, okay, I, I get it. I, I see. Like, this is a, this is a scene. I haven't really ever done it." And um. It's a pretty pretty sweet uh, kind of vibe that's going on here. So, nice. um, and I guess that was was I guess six one two sauna was started at that point already, right? Right, about that time. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of my first introduction uh, yeah. to it. And um, yeah, then you went back another time or so. But yeah, yeah I just it was like, my God, this is such a great way to just chill out and relax nice. and. You know, you, there's no TVs in here. There's yeah. no, it's just, it's sort of a different, different kind of vibe. Yeah, man. Yeah, different from the health club. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah for yeah. sure. <laughs> it's sort of, but the health club is all right, you know, and that it is called the gateway drug for a more authentic sauna experience that you can. So it's the fat tire of, uh, of saunas, <laughs> the <laughs> health club sauna? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Let's, uh, I would say infrared is, is maybe ah, like Coors Light. Infrared, you know? sure. Yeah, and then maybe the health club sauna would be your middle of the road. I don't know. Yeah, you know, you know it's funny. Office. I had a, um, you know, we're talking about doing the sauna. I, had a, I have a friend that, that uh, built one in his house, and it's it's great. It's super tiny. They squeezed it into a spot, and it's uh, it's uh, infrared, and you know you hit a button, and it it, it, it fires up, and you sweat in there. And um, but it's certainly you know I think part of the experience is you know the fire is always a pretty I think, cool yeah. cool aspect of the whole thing, right? Having the I mean the yeah. stove is the best part of the sauna, right? Got mm. built by Kuma up in. And tower. He's a tower, right? I mean, it's pretty awesome. Built here in Minnesota. Yeah. Can you feel the difference, you guys? We're, we're, hey, you guys have been really great, gracious here in the hot room. Um, just <laughs> I need to get some more water. You can ask yeah. a bunch of questions. Yeah. 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 More water. <laughs> can you, can you folks here so in the hot room feel a difference in heat to other saunas that you've taken? It's a different air, like in here, because it's like a what do you call it? Inside feed. Yeah, right, right. Like it, like you, the air was a little tougher at first, or like sharper. But mm -hmm. now that you're sitting in those steams going to, it feels a lot better. That's really nice. Yeah, but yeah. the air itself is different. Yeah, and, and who do we have down here? I'm Will. So I'm dating Riley over here, who works yeah. for Surly. And, and, I'll, and you, yeah, right. So Will, Will's got a great sauna posture going right here. He's just yeah. totally chilled. Really relaxed. Very relaxed. How many rounds have you yeah. done, Will? Uh, this is number four, I believe. Yeah. So, not a bad Friday. Yeah. And also joining us on the bench is... Hello, I'm Amy. Hanging out at Omar's house. My husband works for him so at the brewery. This is a... Sweet in here. Yeah. Have you sounded in a wood-fired sauna before? Yes, I have. But not very often. More yeah. just like the rocks and the steam. Not as much yeah. with the fire. So, it's a nice, right it's a nice touch. Yeah. So, you know, Omar, you are more uh, Finnish. I know you're German by ancestry and stuff, but you're more Finnish in the sense that in Finland, like CEOs of companies and stuff often have their employees to sauna. Oh. And, and you are living living it. I did not. Now, yeah, look yeah. at that. 
You were living that. Finnish, I could be a Finnish yeah. CEO. I see it. My dad always said he was a southern Swede when people asked him where he was from. There you go. He's Pakistani, so that was kind of the joke. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that fits but, right in. It fits right in. <laughs> a, 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 lot of, a lot of people, when they leave the parking lot of, a, of their company as a president or as the owner of a company, I mean, they... They run. They run from the company. But you, we're we're enjoying your beer tonight, and it's just so cool to meet some of your employees yeah. that are joining us. Well, this awesome like a Sauna great time to get everyone out too. It's been kind of fun. Yeah. And I want to thank you oh. for being on Sauna Talk. I mean, this is yeah. a personal time for you to be with your friends and hang out. And I want to thank you for being the. Yeah, this, happy to do it. Yeah, it's been kind of fun, fun thing to see. Uh, you know, JP get this whole thing going and yeah, and having the. Um, uh, the what do we, I keep forgetting what we call it the Stoker the original um, Song Society unit that was at the the brewery you know and just how yeah. it's cool well, you, to you build that, such a, see that culture sort yeah. of exist. Thank you. You've been a great supporter, such a gracious supporter of the Six One Two Sound of Society. And joining you on the bench right now is JP, the founder of the Six One Two Sound of Society. John, do you want to chime in a little bit about um, uh, uh, Omar's? Certainly gracious and humble about this, but why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what Omar uh, contributed to the six one two? Yeah, during the during the first just just after the Kickstarter, just getting it off, really getting it going. I mean, we needed we needed to be out in public, and Omar just ha since the beginning has been. Um, just there for there for us and just just a collaborator and it's been wonderful it kind of was a big eye-opening experience for me where it was like wow like um like 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 invite people in and and you know things can happen this can this can be this can be something this doesn't have to just be in your backyard like like share this grow this um people you know who are as successful and um, you know, as, as Omar are interested in in collaborating and, and helping it happen, and so it, it was just a big eye-opening moment for me to, to kind of step up and be like, yeah, let's take it to the next level and let's let's um, let's really share this. So I've enjoyed collaborating and learning from from him and you know people who are just getting stuff done and you know making good experiences available for people. So it's been like a you know, it's been a big experience, grow, growing experience for me to just be like, yeah, let's let's start working at that level and let's uh, let's keep it going. Right on, right on, great. Okay, so I have one more question and I want to do one more introduction. Who do we have here on the sauna bench? I am Max. And Max, who's your dad? Uh, <laughs> who's your dad? Omar, the guy's sweating on him. <laughs> so, so Max, what's up with your brothers? I hear they're not into sauna as much as you are. Uh, well, my little brother, he's definitely into it, but he's watching a show right now. Uh, other two, not so much. They're just not into this type of heat, I guess. What, what do you like most about the sauna and sauna in general? Um, just generally the feeling afterward of cooling down. It's nice. Yeah, well said. Omar, one last question for you. <clears throat> if you could take a sauna with anyone, dead or alive, past mm. presence, uh, in this sauna, just you and one other person, um, a genie in a bottle. Yeah. Does someone come to mind? Like, who's the first well, person that comes to mind for you? You know, you think it'd have to be someone like a, like, like a storyteller, right? So, you know, like, 
Hemingway or, you know, some some Oscar Wilde or someone that, like, you could basically kind of let him go. And, and the problem with Hemingway, we probably need a bottle of whiskey in here. It might be hot for that. But, you know, just someone that, you know, you know is going to be able to keep, you know, tell, tell a couple of good stories. Yeah. So, but hey, one, one thing I want to say is I, I got to give credit to JP and the first time I, and all you guys, the first time I sort of saw this and trying to make that whole thing go, um, uh, with the unit, um, you know, getting it around and, and that's kind of why we worked to say, let's, let's get one of these built. Cause it was just awesome to see the passion there and kind of seeing in JP what he wanted to bring to people. Like he brought it here to me. We got it. We didn't do it before. And you know, you open up the trib and there's an article once a month or every couple months about sauna now, which is all, I think, cause of, cause of, uh, you guys and kind of what you've, uh, trying to bring that to Minnesota. Cause I, 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 you know, a lot of people don't know what it's about. And mm -hmm. I think once you do it, it's like, well, this is awesome. How do I do more of this, you know? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of how Riley and Will got here is, you know, reading about it. Like, this seems super cool. Like, how yeah. do, you know? Yeah. And they went in, uh, down to Hewig and did it. So, mm -hmm. you know, hats off to them making a go of it. And I think when we we talked, I'm like, dude, you got to make money. Like, don't, <laughs> you can do the, like, don't make it a charity because then you can't do it for very long. Like, make, make a business out of it and don't yeah. be shy because that's kind of how it goes. And, it's just cool to see more and more things happening. That's awesome. So Beautiful. props to props to seeing that uh, taking the passion and running with it. It's yeah. awesome to see. Wonderfully well said. So there is a parallel between sauna and uh, craft beer. We have uh, we need some laws changed. We need a law changed, right, John? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we are pioneers, just like you were, Omar. And uh, we are pioneers to to something good. Something Be careful fun. what you ask for. You might have a hundred people making saunas in the Twin Cities in a few years. <laughs> well, well, we'll come back to you. And, good and bad. Good yeah, bad. We'll come back to you and find out how to de-stress. Uh, well, that's what the beer's for. <laughs> yeah, well, great. Well, Omar, thank you. Thanks for yeah. joining us on Sauna Talk.